Well, good morning. I'm Roger Poupart. I'm one of the pastors here. <laughs> and you're, you're thinking, well, we haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pastor Rick Lowe and I were over in Rwanda and Uganda for the last couple of weeks on a teaching trip. And uh, last Sunday, we were somewhere over the ocean coming home. So it's good to be back with y'all. I think I know what time it is right now, but we're still adjusting. But it was a wonderful trip, and I want to thank you as a church for allowing us to go and minister on the other side of the world. And being there was a blessing in so many ways. And one of those is just this morning we have another blessing. I'm about to introduce a speaker to you that many of you know. He's been a friend of Wayside for, for many years. It's a partnership that began back with Pastor Steve Troxell and Rander Draper at Maranatha Bible Church. But when we were over in Rwanda and Uganda, we saw the partnership over there as well because for about two decades, decades, Wayside Chapel and Maranatha Bible Church have been uh, the foundational supporters of the ministries of Africa New Life and Africa Renewal Ministries in those countries. And to be there and see and uh, know the people and all the partnerships that have been ongoing, it was such a great blessing. I don't want to take any more time from Pastor Rander Draper. I'm going to invite him to come up. His lovely wife of Darlene, I'm going to ask you to stand, Darlene. They've been married 35 years. Many of you know Darlene. And uh, they, have, they have three children and nine grandchildren, and, uh, but Rander's, you know, a very young gentleman for his age. He, he calls me his little brother in the faith, and he is definitely my big brother. And we just love you and Maranatha and the partnership we've had, so please uh, share the word of God with us, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's good to be here. Wow. We've been coming this way for over 20 years, and we appreciate the relationship and the kinship that the two churches have in, together. And uh, we counted again to, to be so thankful uh, to preach the Word of God. When Roger comes to Maranatha, the place is just not the same anymore. <laughs> and we just love him. The church loves him over there. And you have yourself a wonderful pastor who is a wonderful pulpiteer and proclaimer of the Word of God. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for your pastor and his lovely wife, Kim. <clears throat> thank God for that. Father, we thank you now for the privilege of preaching your word. Uh, help me now to preach in the power of your spirit. And I pray, Father, that they not see, people not see me, but see Jesus. And we pray that hearts be touched, those who are lost saved, those who have been backsliding, that they be reclaimed, and that you do a work in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Turn with us to the gospel according to Matthew uh, chapter 6 verses 25 through 34 is our text for this morning. And there you'll find these precious words from our Lord. The scripture says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the, li the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about his own things. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. And from this passage of Scripture, we want to preach, what are you worried about? <clears throat> what are you worried about as we wake up each morning doing the things we need to do, living life as best we know how, we'll soon discover people who are just worried, whose hearts are just taken away, as a matter of fact, with worry. Husbands and wives are worried. There are many employees and employers who are worried. Politicians are worried. Children are stressed and worried, and even parents are worried about sending their children off to school, not knowing whether they will even come home safely. As in the case just a few days ago, when young Logan Davidson of Canyon High School in New Braunfels was beaten to death by another 15-year-old who will never come home. That bothered me. Did that bother you? That disturbed me. That could have been my child. That could have been my grandchild. Beaten to death at school. Good looking kid. Will never come home again. I can only imagine what those parents are going through. Not only they are grieving, but I can imagine that they are angry. And some of you here today, you came into the Lord's house and you're worried about so many things that are going on in your lives. We have also come to worry at some point in our lives. Don't you dare tell me you've never worried. <laughs> I know better than that. Even now, as you look at your own circumstances, you're, some of you perhaps are unsettled and you're nervous. Some of you are under pressure. Some of you are uncertain and your heart is filled with worry. As we look around, we can see that America is in trouble because she has turned her back from God, which has, a, which has resulted in a loss of divine protection, a loss of, uh, of, of, of the spiritual freedoms that we used to have. It's declining, it's waning, uh, it's resulted in perpetual calamities. And because we've turned our backs on God, we have confusion at every level of society causing people to worry. Our country is in a bad place right now. And even worse, many churches in America cannot rise and shine in this wicked generation because they are in confusion due to a famine of the word focusing rather in God's house on entertainment, the gospel of prosperity, emotion, traditions, and just let's have a big shindig of a fellowship. If there's ever a time we need to hear a word from the Lord, it's right this very moment. 
For the scripture says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you and you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of God. I also will forget your children. What sobering words from that great prophet. What is worry? What is it? The English term worry comes from an old German word meaning to choke or to strangle. Worry actually chokes us mentally and emotionally until it wipes us out to the point that we are no earthly or kingdom good. It is also to have a troubled heart, a heaviness of heart, to have an anxious heart, anxious thoughts. Worry is an uneasy state of mind which draws us in many directions, pulling our lives apart. You know what worry does? It clings to you. If you allow it, it will dominate you and consume your thinking as you turn the problems in your life over and over and over and over in your mind. You are not able to just trust God and just let it go. And even though the scripture is clear that worry is a sin, I believe the sin of worrying is committed by Christians more than any other sin. Worry is a sin because we distrust the promises of God, we distrust his divine providences to, uh, his divine providence to, to take care of his children. Are you worried today? What has you all wired up? What are the things we worry about? Some worry about the, their children, uh, the inability to have children, the safety of, of our children, Many worry about terror, terrorism, health issues, the rising cost of insurance. Many worry about the economy, the cost of living, the future. Many worry about the, uh, if, I, if I give the first portion to the Lord, will I have enough to live on, to pay my bills? And some of you worry about all the what ifs of life. What if this happened? What if that happened? Why do Christians worry? Why do Christians worry? Number one, because we fail to take God at his word and believe without doubting. Because we fail to take God at his word and believe without doubting. Look at the commands of Jesus in this particular text, if you will. If you have your Bibles open, uh, look at Matthew 6, 25a. It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Uh, 28a says, why do you worry about clothing? Verse 31a, therefore do not worry. Uh, verse 34, uh, 34a says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And guess what? We turn around and... And what? Worry. 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 You said it well. <laughs> Beloved, if you doubt what Jesus says, you will worry. All you got to do is lose focus, uh, uh, get your eyes off of Christ, and you will worry. Why do Christians worry? Number two, because of a lack of faith. In Matthew 6.30, it says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? 
Beloved, do you not realize that God, the God who clothes and take care of the grass of the field, which has such a short lifespan, you, 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 grass, you can manicure the grass and water the grass and all these kinds of things, but, but you can't grow the grass. God has to grow the grass. And, and, uh, and, and, and the grass has a, sh a very short lifespan. You grow it, it looks, oh, it's so beautiful. Then it starts getting uneven and all that, and you go get the lawnmower and you... Uh, you cut it down, and the grass and the grass catch up. The more you bag it up, put it out, and garbage guy, girl, whatever comes and take it away. And God is saying, if I take care of the grass that that has such a short lifestyle, life lifestyle lifespan, <laughs> will I not take care of you? In other words, the God that grows your grass will take care of you. Why do Christians worry? Thirdly, because of a lack of contentment with God. Because of a lack of contentment with God. Philippians 4:11 says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. My friends, when you live godly and become satisfied and content with Jesus alone, your heart will be at ease when you're satisfied with Christ. Your heart will be serene and at rest and untroubled. If the Lord doesn't do another thing for any of us here, he's already done far more than we deserve. 1 Timothy 6, 8 says, And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. You see, my friends, contentment is not circumstantial. It is to have a resting or satisfaction of mind without uneasiness or unrest when everything around you is falling apart. Contentment, it is to have a, rest, a resting or satisfaction of mind without uneasiness and unrest when everything around you is falling apart. That, my friends, put our faith in God on display. I pose a question to you today. Is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough? If he is, then why can't so many saints just trust God, be satisfied, and thank God for what he has already provided, be thankful, and do not worry? The God who takes care of the grass, who takes care of the lilies of the field, will he not take care of you? Fourthly, why do Christians worry? Because of an inability to wait on the Lord. An inability to wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we don't feel that God is moving fast enough, you know what we do? We take matters into our own hand. We move ahead of God and then shipwreck our lives. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3, 11a, that he has made everything beautiful in his time. I've been pastoring a long time, and I've never heard anyone in my 30 years of pastoring say, you know, I regret waiting on God. But I've heard many come into my office with tears 
crying and weeping, saying, if only I had waited on the Lord. And when you are worried, you will find yourself not waiting on him. Why do Christians worry? Because we fail to trust the Lord for tomorrow and surrender it to him. Matthew 6.34 says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, we need to trust the Lord for tomorrow and allow him to make the most of, of today. Worrying about tomorrow will cause us to be less productive today. You can be so wrapped up in tomorrow, next week, Christmas, Thanksgiving, next year, until you find yourself being less productive for God today. What happens when Christians worry? Well, number one, Satan will exploit a heart that is filled with worry. 1 Peter 5 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is an opportunist, and he loves to exploit worried hearts. What happens when we worry? A worry even affects how we treat others. Luke 6.31 says, and just as you want men to treat to do to you, you also do to them likewise. When we worry, we become bitter, we become rude, we become abrasive, we become edgy, we become snappy when we worry, when we worry, become fussy, hard to deal with, which diminishes the ability of others to see Christ in us. And the more you worry, uh, it really affects how we treat those around us not to mention uh, our precious families. Thirdly, uh, what happens when, uh, when we worry? Worry results in headaches and discouragement, depression, stomach problems, ulcers, stress, loss of sleep, anger, problems with circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system, emotional issues, physical sickness, and even death. You know it's possible for you to even worry yourselves to death. And because of the impact that worry has on the body, it will decrease one's quality of life as well as your lifespan, and it will not add a single hour to your life. For the scripture says in the ESV, Matthew 6, 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Wow, what a riveting thought from this passage in Matthew 6. What happens when we worry? It results in a loss of joy. Psalms 51, 12a says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Psalms 16, 11 says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In other words, worry is a joy snatcher. Take your joy, make you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> your lips are poked out, rocks in your jaws. You, you, it just make you a hot mess. Let me give you a definition of what joy is. I love this definition. Joy is an inner divine gladness and deep-seated pleasure only given by God and is not dependent upon things 
or circumstances. I reiterate, joy is an inner divine gladness and deep-seated pleasure only given by God and is not dependent upon things or circumstances. I tell you, when God gives you this joy, the world can't take it away because the world didn't give it to you. I like that old song, that old song that says, joy, joy. I still have joy. After all the things I've been through, I still have joy. But worry will take away that joy that God really wants you to, jo to enjoy. Number five, what happens when we worry? Worry can cause spiritual backsliding, spiritual regression, and high church absenteeism. Uh, uh, Hosea 11.7 uh, says, my people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the most high, none at all exalt me. You know something? It is possible to worry yourself right out of the church. Just right out of the church. I'll just stay home. I just can't get it together. Listen, you, listen without God, you sure can't get it together. You can worry yourself into backsliding, spiritual regression, and right out of the church. How do we overcome worry? How do we overcome it? Take God at his word. Keep your eyes on the Lord and do not focus on your circumstances, problems, or the words of men. Trust the words of Jesus and don't worry. Matthew 6, 24, he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. You see, my friends, you will decrease your worry when you understand that as a child of God, he is orchestrating every detail of your life and is in complete control over your life from conception to death and even in heaven. He will not allow anything to come into your life without his divine permission. Therefore, whatever we are going through should not cause us to worry. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. How do you overcome worry? Give the things that trouble you to Jesus. Wow. Give the things that trouble you to Jesus. In other words, bring your burdens to the Lord and leave them in his hands. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. In other words, there is nothing that intrudes into our lives that justify why we should be living in a perpetual state of worry. How do you overcome worry? Let go of the past and press on. Let go of the past and press on. Reflecting back on our losses, our missed opportunities, our failures, even the, the past sins that our Lord has forgiven us of, sins that only will cause us to be depressed, disturbed, and worried, God says, let it go. Trust me. I will take care of you. I know exactly where you are, and I, I know how to get you from where you are to where you need to be, 
as you get out of the driver's seat of your life and let me be the steering wheel in your life. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13b through 14, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My friends, let go of the past and press on. You see, refuse to, refuse to worry about the past and realize you can't change it. You can't go back in the past and, and, and fix that past, whatever it is. And all of us got some skeletons in our closet. There's none righteous, no, not one. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse all our past sins, present sins, future sins. He's able and willing to give you a brand new slate. Therefore, press on and fulfill God's plan and destiny for your life and refuse to allow worry to steal your quality of life. Refuse to allow worry to steal your kingdom position, kingdom potential and refuse to allow worry to steal your passion for God. Worry is the great takeaway. It subtracts but never adds for the good of a person. Worry cannot add any more years to your life and and cannot do anything favorable toward you. How do you overcome worry? Fourthly, hang around people who will encourage your heart and faith. Hang around people who will encourage your heart and faith. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression but a good word makes it glad. Hang around people that can give you a good word, who can edify and build you up. You're wise indeed if you keep company with people who will encourage you with a good word rather than those who are negative, pessimistic, a defeatist attitude, naysayers, which will spiral you into to worry. How do you overcome worry? Realize that we are God's children his prized possession, and are valuable in his sight. Matthew 6, 26 says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much of much value than they? In other words, my friends, our Lord is saying, Look at the birds and learn valuable lessons. But they do not worry about where they're going to get a next meal. Birds don't have freezers. They don't have stocks and bonds. They don't have any of that stuff. Uh, and God feeds them. You stumble a little bit coming out of a movie and uh, your popcorn spill in the streets and God says, hey, birds, there your meal. You know? I mean, isn't that just wonderful? Just absolutely wonderful. They are just, you turn your water sprinkler on and God says, there's your water. Go take a bath at, at your expense. The Lord is saying, learn lessons from the birds, for they do not worry about their next meal, where it's going to come from. They do not sow, reap, or stockpile for the future. They just live from day to day, flying around in search for food that God supplies. And we must come to the conclusion that since God provides for the birds, he will take care of us because we are created in his image. We're the crown of his creation. We are his children, and we are more valuable than birds. Number six, how do you overcome worry? Instead of worrying about anything, we must pray about everything. 
Instead of worrying about anything, we must pray about everything. Prayer is so vital to extinguishing worry. The less we pray, the more we worry. The more we pray, the less we worry. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus I like this little saying, a little song, whatever it is. Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus. He'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Rest fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? In other words, refuse to treat Prayer like a spare tire, only praying in emergency situations. Stormproof your life through prayer, and you'll be able to weather any crisis that comes into your life. How do we overcome worry? Spend more time in the good news, which is your Bible. Spend more time in the good news, which is your Bible. Worrying will, di will not diminish in your life until you stop immersing yourselves in local, national, and world news. From news to news to news to news to news until you just a hot mess from news. <laughs> Psalms 119, 162 says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Get out of bad news. Spend more time in the good news. Beloved, a renewed passion for the Word of God will transform your thinking and cause your mind to become therapeutic. Saturating your mind with the Scripture will heal a worried heart, and that's why Satan will do everything within his power to keep you from reading, meditating, and memorizing the Scripture because he wants you in a mess. He wants you worried. He wants you fretful. He wants you wondering and running and restless and stressed out at the issues of our day. Psalms 119, 28, 92 says, My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Psalms 119.92 says, Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. In other words, worry will keep, I mean, the word of God will keep you from destroying yourselves. The word of God will restrain worry and keep it from destroying your motivation the Word of God will keep worry at bay and keep it from destroying your dreams, your vision, and even your life through suicidal tendencies and thoughts as so many of our adults and even our children are succumbing to in times like these. So many of our young folk, they're stressed out, living life on the edge. We had a college night several months ago with a room full of college and career students and it was a question and answer session that my wife and I had with them, and, and I just happened to pose a question, uh, what do you think about the issue of suicide? How many of you have struggled with suicidal tendencies? And I was just astounded with the number of hands that went up from those who have been right in the church and brought up in the church. I said, how many of you know other students uh, uh, with suicidal tendencies? How many of you know someone that committed suicide? 
one little girl just ran out crying because she had just lost a dear friend because of suicide. Matter of fact, we put on a suicide prevention class by one of the premier counselors, Christian counselors in the city because we're in a culture of death. We really, really are. And don't you say what your children won't do. That's why I think we ought, to, we ought to not leave the house of God without shaking at least five hands and asking, how may I pray for you? Because you don't know what's on the mind of the person behind you, in front of you, and on side of you. And you know, sometimes we make a mash dash to be the first one out, Mr. Benediction, and, and we're so into ourselves to go eat some chicken, and we miss the person we need to be ministering to. Oh, my goodness. Young folk are struggling. They're on the edge. It's not just older people. Young people are stru struggling with a rejection. Young adults and children, they're struggling with low self-esteem, bullying, or a breakup in a dating relationship. And we need to address this issue. We even had a pastor in town whose son uh, committed suicide. No one is exempt from these kinds of things. How do we overcome worry? Realize that God is in control and will sustain and keep you in the midst of adversity. God will keep you. He will sustain you. There's no such thing as a storm-free life. Storms come in the form of unemployment. They come in the form of sickness, divorce, loneliness, depression. Storm comes in the form of betrayal, setbacks, a late-night phone call with tragic news, living with someone with an addiction. Storms come in the form of having a close relative incarcerated, having a child diagnosed with a serious illness, suddenly becoming the primary caregiver of aging parents. Storm comes in the death of a spouse, a parent, the death of a child, a sibling, or living in, a, in an abusive relationship. My friend, you will make it through the night if you would just stand on the promises of Almighty God. When you take refuge in Christ before the storm, say before. That's critical. When you take refuge in Christ before the storm, then you will have safety in the midst of the storm. Mid-storm is no time to be caught in confusion, seeking refuge for yourself and family. Take cover by allowing Jesus to be your anchor. Take cover by allowing Jesus to be your refuge. I love what the great psalmist says in Psalms 9-9. He says, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of, of trouble. Psalms 46, 1, 2a says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Take comfort in knowing uh, that, that even at our lowest point, in life, and all of us have had some low points, God is your refuge and his everlasting arms are underneath you. And no matter how deep the valley, God's presence 
is deeper still. And he loves you even when your life hits rock bottom. Deuteronomy 33, 27a says, I love this verse, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. In other words, you can't get so low that the depth of God's grace and his love can't meet you at your lowest point. Scoop you up and rock you in, this, in his tender loving arms. How do we overcome worry? Come to Jesus and exchange your worries and anxieties for his rest. You will discover that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and you will have rest for your soul. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 28, 30. I love those first three words. Come unto me, you who are anxious, you who are wearied, you who, whose heart has been disturbed, you who have been ambushed by an unexpected crisis, you who have health issues and you don't know where it's going, you who are oppressed and depressed, and you who are just tired and can't seemingly go another further. Jesus says, come unto me. All you who, you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let me tell you something. Worry is a burden that our Lord has not authorized us to carry. Did you get that? Worry is a burden that our Lord has not authorized us to carry. How do we overcome worry? You know you have overcome worry when you have a heart that is genuinely filled with praise, adoration, and thanksgiving. Beloved, I submit to you today, you can literally praise your worries away. Psalms 119.62 says, at midnight I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Psalms 119.164 says, seven times a day I will praise you. Wow. When you have been set free from worry, and some of you saying, well, uh, that's, that's not me, but um, let me tell you something. If it's not you, then you need to be focusing on others. When you have been set free from worry, the Lord will use you to speak words of life, hope, encouragement, healing, and restoration to others who are depressed, oppressed, worried, fearful, and in bondage. Thank God that we're not all down at the same time. Amen. When I'm down, help me up. When you're down, I help you up. Praise God that we're not all down at the same time. You may not be worried, nothing bothering you. You're on the top of the mountain. You got money in the bank. You got some health. Your marriage is good. Go help somebody for heaven's sake. God, help, God has you up to pull somebody else up. Not just, I ain't nothing wrong with me. It's Simon, not 
for me. I ain't worried. I'm not stressed. I'm all right. If you're that all right, then you need to help somebody else who is down. Will you help them up? You're up today because God is summoning you to help someone who is down up. I got a verse for you, by the way, in that regard. Isaiah 35, 3 through 4a says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are filthy hearted, be strong, be strong. Do not fear. That's what we ought to do if God has us in a good place right now. How do we overcome worry? Look at Jesus and be encouraged in the midst of your worries and discouragement. In the midst of pressure, anxiety, stress, keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. My friends, if anyone could have been worried, it's the Lord Jesus. In the closing days of his life, he had foreknowledge. He saw what was coming. He saw the unjust trial, the hostility of the religious leaders. He saw the agony of Gethsemane and the sufferings on the cross. And yet he endured hostility from sinners to make salvation available to sinners as he kept his eyes on the Heavenly Father. You see, my friends, without the sufferings, there would not have been a victorious resurrection. However, today, many Christians want the blessing. Oh, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, without the sufferings. These are the lyrics of this great gospel artist, Andre Crouch, that sum up the message Today, he says, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been time I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. I thank God for the mountains. I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. If I never had a problem, I would not know that God could solve them. I would not know what faith in my God could do. And all God's children said,
Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your grace, your love. Father, all of us need this message, including me, because none of us are exempt from worry. So easy to do that. So easy to take our eyes off you by all the things that are encroaching on our lives and in our lives. All the atrocities, the shootings, all the stuff that's happening around the world. The spiritual climate of our nation, the economic climate of our nation, foolishness at its height. Lord, in times like these, keep our eyes fixed on you. Let not our heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Sometimes life seems like words and music Just can't quite become a song So we cry and sigh And we try again And wonder what could be wrong But when we turn to the Lord At the end of ourselves like we've done a time or two before we'll find his truth is the same as it's always been we never will need more it's not in trying but in trusting not in running but in resting not in wandering, but in praying that we'll find the strength of the Lord. It's not in trying, but in trusting. Not in running, but in resting. Not in wandering, but in praying that we'll find the strength of the Lord. He's all we need for every need. We never need be alone. Still he'll let us go if we choose to to live life on our own then the only good that will ever be said of the pains we find ourselves in they are places to gain the wisdom to say I'll never leave him again it's not in trying but in trusting 
Not in running, but in resting. Not in wandering, but in praying. That we'll find the strength of the Lord. Is not in trying, but in trusting. Not in running, but in resting. Not in wandering, but in praying that we'll find the strength of the Lord. Is not in wandering, but in praying that we'll find the strength of the Lord. Amen. Well, I know that you were blessed by that as I was. Uh, as Rander said, Philippians 4, 6 tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're here today and you're burdened by something, Galatians 6, 2 tells us to bear one another's burdens. You see prayer leaders who are at the front, they would love to pray with you. The people sitting next to you and around you would love to pray with you as well. We don't want you to leave here today feeling you're alone because God knows you, he loves you, and he's capable of handling what you're dealing with today. So if you need somebody to, to walk with you, to uphold you, to lift you up, we're here to do that. For the rest of us, God calls us to go into the world, to our workplaces, our homes, and our schools, and to share the good news of God's great grace. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You're dismissed.